0: Our first reading this morning is from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes, for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. In those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own Son, but gave him up for all of us. Will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes. Who is raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors for him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in our creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. <coughs> Sorry. Our second reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 to 33, and verses 44 to 52. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, <coughs> sorry, sorry about that. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and makes their three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, On finding one pearl of great value. He went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the king of heaven is like a net that was floated to the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew the sword, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out, and separate the evil from the righteous, and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the king of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new, and what is old. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Brett, for those beautiful readings. And let us pray. We thank you, gracious God, for these moments of stillness and peace and calm amidst the hurriedness of our days, and for the opportunity to hear anew your word of truth and love and invitation. We pray, Lord, by the movement of your Holy Spirit that we'll continue to hear you speak to us in a way that we will not miss. For we pray this all in Jesus' precious name, amen. Shel Silverstein is a gifted author. He writes the kind of books that are classified as children's books yet are also often loved by adults. He wrote a poem entitled, What If? About the anxieties and the worries that we carry. And it goes like this. Last night, while I lay thinking here, some what ifs crawled inside my ear and pranced and partied all night long and sang their same old what if song. What if I'm dumb in school? What if they close the swimming pool? What if I get beat up? What if there's poison in my cup? What if I start to cry? What if I get sick and die? What if I flunk the test? What if green hair grows on my chest? What if nobody likes me? What if a bolt of lightning strikes me? What if I don't grow taller? What if my head grows smaller? What if the fish won't bite? What if the wind tears up my kite? What if they start a war? What if my parents get divorced? What if the bus is late? What if my teeth don't grow in straight? What if I tear my pants? What if I never learn to dance? Everything seems well and then, the nighttime what-ifs strike again. Friends, in the quiet of the night or during other moments, the more imaginative, the more creative we are, the easier it is for us to consider all sorts of worst case scenarios for our lives. Scenarios that would bring danger and despair and maybe even death. What are the what-ifs that go through your mind? On Instagram this past week, I spotted a post from a lawyer who specializes in wills and trusts. The title of the post was, what if you don't return from going out to dinner? He wrote, imagine this scenario. It is a Thursday night, you and your spouse leave your two small children with a high school age babysitter and go out to dinner and you don't return. The babysitter waits an hour beyond when you said you would return and phoned you you don't answer she waits a little while longer then calls her mom at their home just a few doors down and tells her the situation the mother says to the daughter you have a calculus test tomorrow i'll come over take care of the children you come home go to bed and get a good night's sleep And the mother comes over, she sends her daughter home, she tries to reach you a few more times by phone. Finally, at midnight, she calls 911. What else could she do? The police come, there are no other relatives nearby, no other backup plans in case of an emergency have been made. And so child protective services are called and your two small children are taken into their custody for a matter of days or even weeks while the situation is figured out. It was a social media post by an attorney who specializes in wills and trusts, a post aimed at urging parents to consider all sorts of worst-case scenarios, all sorts of what-ifs in order to be prepared for them. The morning news overflows with what ifs? What if the interest rate hikes by the Fed cool off consumer spending too much and instead of simply curbing inflation, they push us over the brink into a recession? What if the rising global temperatures continue to rise? What if the ocean currents that bring stability to our weather systems continue to be disrupted, pushing our planet and its fragile ecosystem into even greater crisis? What if the division and discord in our world continues to grow? What if those whom we entrust to lead invest more energy in arguing and criticizing and getting elected or reelected instead of in leading? So I wonder, what are the what-ifs that you wrestle with? What are the what-ifs that keep you awake at night? Today's scripture from Paul's letter to the Romans reminds us that God is with us in our what-ifs that God is faithful, that God helps us in our weakness, that when we don't know how to pray, the, the words, the energy, the faith are just not there. The Holy Spirit of God intercedes on our behalf, intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Paul writes, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. Who are called according to his purpose that does not mean that god causes bad things to happen if you have a friend whose child tragically dies at a young age do not say to them well i guess god needed another angel in heaven that's not what paul is saying paul is saying that god is present and faithful to us in the midst of life's hardest and most painful moments and is able to oftentimes use and redeem those moments in ways that exceed what we thought would be possible. Paul knows that the deeper question that is underneath each what-if question is, is there anything that can separate us from the love of God? Is there anything we might ever do, any mistake we ever make, any words we speak or fail to speak, anything that the world might ever throw at us, any illness or injury or injustice, any loss or disappointment or heartache that can separate us from the love of God? And with conviction, without hesitation, without having to ponder or check any of his notes, Paul says, There's nothing, nothing. Nothing. Having experienced more than his own share of pain and loss and setbacks, he says nothing in all the world can separate us from the love of God revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ. No hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, nothing can separate us from the love of God. They are some of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture when Paul says, in all these things, in all the troubles and loss we will face, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What if this happens, we ask? What if this happens? Will it put me outside God's reach? And Paul answers, nothing will put you outside the reach of God's loving care. And so to embrace that reality, I invite you to consider some new what-ifs. Ponder these when you go to bed at night. What if I am a child of God uniquely created in God's image? What if I am here in this world because God wants me to be here and God needs me to be here? What if God's love for me is without end? What if I make the team? What if I get accepted into that school I so want to go to? What if I ask him or her the question I've been wanting to ask and they say yes? What if my past mistakes need not define me or hold me captive? What if the most important and impactful chapter of my life is yet to begin? What if my prayer life becomes richer and more consistent? What if I allow my faith to determine my priorities and my path on Monday morning as much as I allow it to on Sunday morning? What if I choose to focus on what could go right instead of what could go wrong? Good friends of ours who live here in town are blessed with six children, six. And the mom of that large family shares how when they were young, she would take the family to the Pleasant Valley pool on hot summer days. And the challenge was, how would she keep an eye on all of them? How would she protect all of them from getting lost or hurt? How would she give them the freedom they craved, but at the same time be a good mom and watch over them? Well, she came up with a brilliant idea. For the four boys and two girls in this family, she bought, br- she bought bright neon pink bathing suits. Trunks for the boys, a one-piece bathing suit, and matching large hair ribbon for the girls, all in that bright pink color that you could just see from anywhere. And so she would remain at that appointed location among all the lounge chairs where they left their towels and their food and everything else, a family that size brings to the town pool. And those four boys and two girls would run off in six different directions to have fun and to swim and to play. And periodically she would stand as tall as she could and scan the crowd. And thanks to those matching bright pink bathing suits, she'd be able to see every one of her children. She'd be able to watch over them. She'd be able to confirm that they were okay. They didn't always see her, How could they? But she always saw them. Friends, I don't know the specifics of the storm you are possibly facing, the decision or doubt you're navigating, the fear that you're carrying. I don't. But could it be that God is yearning for you to hear his still? small voice as he asks you the question, do you think there is anything that can come between you and me? Do you? Because there's not. Friends, I invite you to let go of your what ifs that are filled with fear and doubt, like the ones that Shel Silverstein asks in his poem, What if I flunk the test? What if green hair grows on my chest? What if nobody likes me? What if a bolt of lightning strikes me? And instead, ask what ifs that reflect faith in God and trust in God's great love. What ifs like, what if God's love for me Is without end? What if nothing ever will separate me from God's love? What if I am a child of God uniquely made in God's image? What if I am here in this world because God wants me to be here? God needs me to be here. What if I choose to focus on what could go right instead of what could go wrong? And what if God has a plan for this next chapter of my life that is bigger and better than anything I could ever imagine? What if?